the Shush, the Mara, the Asra, Rav Rosenzweig, Shalita, distinguished Rabbanim, ladies and gentlemen. My topic is drinking on Purim and beyond. And I see I'm beginning a half an hour later than I was slated to begin. So I'll try to make a compromise and speak for only half an hour. How's that? So it's, uh, it's, well, that'll be the deal? Okay? Good. That'll be my aim. So part of this sort of is symptom, holding oneself back. So I'll do the best I can. The Gemara tells them, Masechta Megillah Chayev Inish Lebesume Bepuria Adlo Yoda Bain Or Homon Leboruch Mordechai. Famous Gemara Masechta Megillah. And the question is, what does this mean? Rashi tells us one is required to get drunk by drinking wine. And as a matter of fact, most posts can assume that this mitzvah is fulfilled exclusively by drinking wine. One cannot fulfill this mitzvah by drinking beer or, or whiskey, only wine. As the Mishnah Brewer comments, it is a zecha to the Mishnah Hayayin, the story of Haman and Achashverosh, and therefore it must be wine and wine only. Indeed, it would seem that the source for this mitzvah is the word Mishnah found in the Megillah. Mishta v'simcha. These dual aspects I would like to analyze briefly to understand what they mean precisely. Precisely. It seems that simcha is something found not limited to Purim, but it applies to other holidays as well. The expression of simcha is found in the Torah itself with respect to Yom Tov, and there too, we are required to drink wine. Purim has the additional motif of mishteh. And it is this mishteh motif that requires us to drink more than we would on a typical Yom Tov. There's no ad yoda on Pesach, Shavuos, or Sukkot. That is clear. That is certain. And what are the specific limits of these? So it seems to me that we would do well to follow the advice of the Ramah. In Simon Tafresh Tzadihei, Sif Beis, after the Shulchan Aruch quotes the simple quote of the Gemara, one must drink until he does not know the difference between Orhom and Abach Mordechai. Right there, Ramah, you don't have to get, you don't have to, you don't have to get so drunk. Drink more than you're accustomed to. What happened to Adlo Yoda? Simple. V'yoshen. And you go to sleep. U'mitoch sh'yoshen e'ne yodea ben or homon l'borach mordechai. Fall asleep. Concludes the Ramah. Remarkable conclusion. Echad ha'marbe v'echad ha'mamit u'vulvad sh'yichav en libo la'shamayim. Found in somewhat different context, but the Ramah uses it over here as well. The main thing is what your real intention is. Now, when the Ramah says you don't have to get so drunk, what does that mean? A little drunk? Not drunk? Ad by falling asleep? So all the Mepharshim explain if a person gets up on Purim, Davin Shachris, goes home and falls asleep, he has not fulfilled Ad Loyoda. You have to drink. However, the simple read of the Ramah is that one need not drink enough to get himself really drunk. You drink more than you're accustomed to, 
and you fall asleep, and you fulfill Adloyada. The Rambam, however, seems to have an in-between view. He says you have to get drunk. So there are three opinions. One opinion is you have to just get drunk without benefit of sleep. You have to fulfill the Adloyada without, while you're fully awake. That's a simple read. The Rambam is the middle view. No, you must get drunk, but you can fulfill, fulfill Adloyada by falling asleep. And the Ramah says you don't have to get drunk at all. You just drink a little bit, and you fall asleep, and you thereby fulfill the Adloyada. Mishnah Brewer comments that Chain Roy Lassos, one should follow the ruling of the, of the Ramah. As a matter of fact, the Beis Yosef, that the Ramah is really quoting, uh, quotes from an earlier source, the Orchos Chaim, and that's what the Gemara means. The Gemara never meant to get drunk. Quote, Isur Gomeru ve'elacha agvera gedola mizu shehu goreim, listen to what it causes, drunkenness. Gili arayas u'shvichas damim ve'kama avera zulasa. Wow. Wow. What about Adloyoda? Sort of an amazing interpretation of the Yad Ephraim. Ad velo ad bichlal. I'll get it, but not quite not the simple interpretation, admittedly, but that's what he says. Ad velo ad bichlal. So how does one fulfill the mitzvah on a practical basis? So, we have a custom which is to postpone our Sudas Purim until late in the day. Often very late, often too late in the day. We should be very careful to fulfill the mitzvahs of Purim before the sun sets. And the mitzvah of the Sudas Purim, according to many authorities, requires three components. Bread, meat, and wine. And all of this should be consumed before the sun sets. There's a minute to extend it beyond. Nothing wrong with that. But the bread, the meat, and the wine, you have to look at your clock sometimes, before the Adlai When you still know what time it is, what time means, you have to have the bread, the meat, and the wine before the sun sets. But of course, the problem then becomes, if your meal is so late in the day, how are you going to fulfill the Adloyada of falling asleep? And it's a question in the poskim that say this year Purim is on Sunday. If a person will have his, his meat and his bread and his wine and have a lot of wine Sunday just before the sun sets, and he has people around the, around the table, and then they'll bench, and then as soon as he finishes benching, he'll fall asleep. But by that time, it's already dark. Has he fulfilled the mitzvah of Adloyada, according to the Ramah, because he fell asleep as a result of what he drank on Purim? Or should we say, no. He didn't get around to his Adloyada until he fell asleep, but Purim was over then. You have to fall asleep on Purim in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Adloyada. I would lean towards the second interpretation, although there are those who have accepted the first, and therefore, this is to me, is not really an option. Uh, I'll tell you what I do, just as a, as, a, as a personal note, not telling anyone else what they should do. What I do is when I come home from shul, from davening Shachos and Purim, for breakfast, I have whatever, a piece of cake, whatever it may be, together with a, you know, a sizable cup of wine, and then I try right away to go to sleep. It's usually not too difficult, given the amount of sleep that I usually get the night before. Thank God in our yeshiva we have a very uh, spirited uh, Purim Chagiga. You often don't get too much sleep the night of Purim, so you have to get up to Davin, 
And then, if you're still tired enough and you have a little that much wine, and you, you have breakfast, you can just sort of fall asleep for a short while till the the doorbell starts to ring and people start to come. You know, there is a little bit of a window opportunity over there. That I try to fulfill the what I call the mishta aspect, the drinking of adalo yada by falling asleep according to the Ramo. However, for the simcha aspect, it's preferred that we have the wine in the context of a meal, the bread, the meat, and the wine. So we do that too. So hours later, after a long day of people going in and out of the house, and we sit down to the to after mincha, to, to the meal, many hours later, once again, we serve wine and have a little bit more than usual. And now we, we, we fulfill the simcha aspect. So I think that we could perhaps fulfill the two aspects of Purim, the mishta and the simcha, at different times of the day. I believe this is the, the preferred way for one to fulfill this mitzvah. I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that the Balamor says that the whole Gemara is rejected. There's no such mitzvah at all. Because the Gemara tells a story of someone who got drunk and he killed somebody else. It was a miracle of Tchiyas HaMesim. So the, 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 the Balamor suggests that the Gemara means to reject the previous assumption. And although we don't accept that uh, directly, nonetheless, we understand that one should moderate how much meat and excuse me, how much wine is consumed on Purim. I also feel that it's important to emphasize that according to almost all authorities, there is no mitzvah to drink except Purim by day, not Purim by night. Some of the most terrible incidents that we've experienced in our collective community are, are, are incidents which take place the night of Purim, Leil Purim. Uh, it's gotten so bad that in many Torah institutions which were uh, unfortunately experiencing these things, they simply cut out the whole thing. I'll just give an example from I live in Riverdale. There's a wonderful, very sizable yeshiva in Riverdale and I used to go there Purim night. It was, I wasn't happy. Uh, and our yeshiva also wasn't happy sometimes. But this was a little bit per capita, a little bit uh, much. The Rosh Yeshiva got up and said, that's it, no more. No, no more. It's cut out the whole institution. No more. It doesn't exist. Because it was just got so bad. This is uh, a very, very brief analysis. Again, I give through my severe time constraints, I'm being uh, very brief in my discussion of Purim itself uh, because I want to speak beyond Purim. But again, to review, there is an explicit Talmudic statement requiring us to, to drink on Purim. According to most authorities, it is normative. Some say it's rejected. What exactly it means... Does it mean to actually get drunk? Or does it mean to, and, and to be drunk to the extent you don't know what's going on? Or drunk to the extent that you fall asleep? Or not drunk at all, just drink a little bit of extra wine and fall asleep? Three opinions in the, in the, uh, in, amongst the Paul Skim. Uh, there's a two concepts, one of Mishnah and one of Simcha. In my view, they can be uh, uh, fulfilled at separate times of the day, uh, as we explained. Okay, this is a brief overview again of the halakhas of drinking on Purim as, as I understand them, and I certainly respect the rights of others to disagree on either side. I can see people being, uh, either way. Uh, I, I must tell you that um, my house on Purim is not the most popular house of, amongst the Rabbeim. Uh, I, I will say that, that uh, I, I, I say it pr- proudly, although... Uh, my boys tell me that they don't want to come to you because you don't, you know, 
I don't let them drink too much. And I, I give them, I tell them what to do, and then they're, they're not happy. They find up another, by other rebellion, apparently they have a different interpretation. They may be more literal, you know, the uh, Vesume, and, uh, okay. I don't hear, I, again, I repeat again, there are other opinions, and, all, and some will think that I'm being too permissive on Purim. I understand this is normal. There's a range of, of legitimate opinion. I'm just giving you what I think is an appropriate way to fulfill the Libusume. But I'd like to now spend the remaining time, which is uh, a little bit more than, the, than I spoke about on Purim, to talk about the, the beyond. The Moradasar Shalita, in his very brief introduction, already called attention to the unfortunate development of recent years. I really think that's correct, uh, that things have gotten worse. That alcoholism is a problem in what I consider to be the Torah community. It may have always existed, but the extent to which it exists now is something which I feel is, is so bad that it must be addressed. It simply must be addressed. Uh, unfortunately, almost every community, in the larger communities more than the smaller ones, have experienced situations in which teenagers, and unfortunately I'm saying this, it hurts me to say it, boys and girls, teenagers running around drinking. Sometimes even when they come together for what we call organized Shabbatonim, sponsored by schools or youth organizations, and it could lead to terrible results Really, uh, really bad. I mean, there, I don't think it's a secret that there been cases where the police have had to been called in uh, to control rowdy teen, teens. This is something which was unheard of in our, in our circles. And I believe that it's not a, really a surprise of one who's, who's a, a keen observer of the scene, who understands very well that our youth is not immune to the influences of the outside world. It's, never, it's always been this way. We've always been very susceptible to outside influences. And whatever the outside influences are in a particular time and place, find their way into all but the most insular Jewish communities. And in the outside world, drinking is now a national disaster. My eye to the world is a magazine called the U.S. News. I think that's the last kosher uh, news magazine that one can, can find these days, and that's what uh, I subscribe to. Major article entitled, just last week, The Price of Booze. It's incredible. The loss of productivity in the, in the American economy, it's mind-boggling. It's just mind-boggling. People go out there and they just drink, and they just, they just don't come to work. They're, they're hungover. And that's a terrible loss because the American economy is important for all of us. We talk about individuals of our community. It's frightening. It's absolutely frightening. And let me tell you that the rabbis already predicted this when they taught us Horoa sut sota bekilkula yazir atzmo min hayayin that means that although wine is a permissible substance, but not for an individual who sees the immorality of a soto bikilkula, literally an adulterous woman. We live in that generation 
We live in a generation of adultery and other perversions which are out in the public. There's no longer any shame. That's in the general community. And therefore, because we have seen this, we are under the biblical mandate of Yazir Atzmo Min Hayayin. One can no longer look back to the precedent of previous generations. Let me tell a story. This story, whenever I tell it, I, I, I get emotional when I tell it because it's so close to my heart. Thank God I have many Talmidim over the, over the years. One of my Talmidim that I would classify as a superstar in my Shia going back to the 70s. A1 Talmud Chacham, Yerei Shemaim, a Musbach of the Yeshiva with all the Milas. Happily married, everything. Went, he's a working person, he has a Parnassa somewhere downtown Manhattan. He's a, he's a, he learns on a regular basis, he gives shiurim in his community. I got a, a, a frantic phone call from his wife. I don't know what came over my husband, something's going wrong. I, I saw getting involved. I ran an emergency. This is what happened. This is the story. This young man was working in a, some, somewhere downtown and apparently you know, you work certain hours in, the, in these firm and after hours are over apparently there are establishments downtown and I guess I think, I think it's the Wall Street area if I'm not mistaken which never goes to drink every day so this fellow's being a Ventor never went never when he'd finish his work he'd go right home get into the train and go right home every single day he would ignore everybody all the invitations once, see the power of the of the of the, of the Eight Sahara. Apparently, one of the co-workers that was working with him in the same office for who knows how many years was leaving the firm, and yeah, there was a goodbye party. See, the, the social obligation upon this individual, because he was a you know a mensch, was he had no matter what he had to go. Anyway, he went. Something happened. Whatever, a drink, a this, a that can I tell you that the entire marriage was imperiled a, a wonderful marriage with a wonderful wife and for wonderful children imperiled it was hanging this by, by a thread Baruch Hashem proper help was procured and thank God I, 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 I sit there I, I, I'm frightened when I think about the story whenever I, whenever I recall it no amount of Torah learning can be an adequate protection from this onslaught that we face in today's world. It's, we can no longer say, I am a rabbi in a young Israel congregation. I received a viewpoint just in the mail last week. And the frightening title was an article written by the president of the, of the Young Israel National Council was Shikir is Ayid everyone knows what the original expression was unfortunately he, he in great detail documents what's going on he makes reference to these Kiddush clubs which defile not only the human being who, who participates but defile the shul as well and our rabbis have taught us the one who is drunk, one who drinks 
in the service of Hashem during davening is much worse. The Gemara Bracha says it is considered an Ovedavodazara. And the Gemara derives it from the Pasuk with respect to Chana, where the expression Bilial is used. The same expression used in Sefer Dvarim for Ovedavodazara. What does it mean, Bilial? It means Bilial, with no all Malchus Shemayim. There's no limit on what I'm going to do. That's exactly what drinking is. I'm going to drink, and I'll do whatever I want. If one does that in a shul, it's a hundred times worse. Do you know, I'm embarrassed to say it, in my community where I live, there is a, I don't want to give it the name even, but it's called a minion, some kind of a Friday night minion, and it's called the drinking minion. That's how it's, that's how it's referred to. It's meets in someone's house somewhere. I've never been there. But they tell me that they're they Friday night, they, they, they daven, like, that's like everybody else davens. They daven Kabbalah Shabbos. I'm sure they daven. Kabbalah Shabbos. Myriv. Yeah, but then after Myriv, everyone goes home. Marshall, Myriv, Shabbos. Everyone goes home to make Kiddush in the house with the wife and the kids. No. They serve. I don't, I, I'm, I'm so... See, let me explain. I have to be full disclosure. Beyond the wine that I have for ritual purposes, I don't drink anything. So maybe I'm not a good... Uh, example for some of you, but I have to. Uh, so I can't give me Venus as to what it means. One more, two more. I don't know what the words mean. Even these kinds of this scotch, that I don't. I don't know what it means. One thing I know, it's not kosher. I don't just mean it's chomat shavu of a pesa, which it probably is anyway. But we won't go into that right now. It's not. That's not how Jewish homes are run. That men sit and drink around the table before they go home to their wives to make kiddush. It's just not the way to do it. And it's, as, as the rabbi implied, it's frightening for the next generation as well. Because all you're preaching is, 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 is a total waste of time because kids only see what you do. And if they see their father is, is, is sitting there drinking Friday night, it's a disaster. Now, maybe we can be berdichivers and defend it. That inordinate pressures upon the people today. So, it's like Noah. As the rabbi calls it, this escapism. Noah had this terrible, terrible experience in the Bible. So he went to escape and he became drunk. But that's a sad commentary if we consider ourselves after five days of work to have gone through a mabel. Do we have to have an escape? We can't go home for our night to make kiddush to our wives and kids before we, we have a few, a few drinks. The Rambam says in Hilchas Deus that to drink, to get drunk is also a tzachil Hashem. The Mashal comments that if that's the case, why does wine exist? Yes, wine is an escape. It is. Who is entitled to some measure of an escape? Cholila v'chas rachmona l'tzlan an ovil. As the Gemara says, wine was created l'nachem esavelin. Gemara Sanhedrin. The Mashar says, no other reason for it. It causes so many bad things. Alright, so there are rare occasions when it is appropriate. As I said before, we cannot compare ourselves to what used to happen in the Shtibel uh, 50 years ago when people would finish davening shachris and they'd have a little bit of a, a drink and then they'd go on their way. That was a generation which understood the concept of an ol, of responsibility. They were not beli'al, beli'ol. They were responsible people. And they had, okay, that was their custom, they drink a l'chaim after shachris, a tikkun or whatever it was. That was okay. I'm not here to criticize that practice. What I'm saying is, today we live in a door of a roa sota bikulkula. 
whatever was going on when I was growing up in the 50s behind closed doors I cannot say but I know it went on in the public sphere there was none of this stuff I mean, the, 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 the decadence the, the, the indecency that the whole world is talking about and all over America is, it's just, it's just it's mind boggling mind boggling terrible not the time to go into it the, 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 literally the indecent exposure and the, and the, and the, and the language and, the, and the, the entendre everything it's just, it's just terrible this didn't exist in the rather innocent days that, that, that I grew up in so you can't say well if they drank a drink of whiskey in the 50s they can drink it now in the 21st century every door is different has its own challenges one cannot compare And I want to add something else. Today, it's no secret that drugs are available and are commonly used. This wasn't so in the 50s. And everybody knows that it's just one step from the wine to the beer to the whiskey to the drugs. This is well documented. So, in the five minutes that I left for myself... The question that becomes, how is it that there's a mitzvah to drink on Purim? How can that be? And the Mishnah asks the question, if, 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 if it's so bad, so why does this mitzvah exist? What does it signify? Let me give you a, a very brief analysis of this uh, potential, a possible analysis of this mitzvah. The rabbis have taught us, Nichnas yayin yotzasot. Gematria also, Yayin and so the same thing. The wine goes in, the so the secrets come out. The goal of Purim, one of the goals of Purim is that we should have been so elevated by our recreation of the miracle, by our reading of the Megillah, and by our spiritual elevation, that our insides should be so pure that they could withstand the test of being exposed. Most of us, on a typical day, would never want our innermost thoughts to be exposed. For a variety of reasons. They may include indecencies and all kinds of other things. The challenge of Purim is that when you're not so careful, because yachts are sold and your, your inhibitions are gone, and what comes out should still be pure. Let me tell you a per, another personal story. I have wonderful children. Baruch Hashem. Some of you know some of my children. They're wonderful and they're, really, they're very respectful but they don't do everything their father does. Okay? I, I never expected them to, I never really wanted them to. Well, one of my sons, Rebbeim and Eretz Yisrael, told me the following, you don't realize how holy your son is. I look at him funny. What, 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 what happened? He said, your son was in my house on Purim. And he had much too much to drink. Well, what we call too much to drink, he did it L'Shem Mitzvah, and he didn't really know what he was talking about. What came out the Pneumius. He said, the, 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 the Kedusha, I cry when I think about it even now, it's, it's, it's a story of ten years ago. It's the Kedusha, the Tahara, that came out of your son, when he didn't know what in the world he was talking about. It was half in and half out. He was talking about his desire to come close to Hashem, and his desire to learn Torah, and his desire to do mitzvahs, and his desire to do chesed, and his love for his family. And everything came out. That's the challenge of Purim. An individual that, can, that, can, that is up to that challenge, it's an elevating experience. Nichnas yayin yotzasot. But it's only if the sod that's going to come out will not be what the Ramam called it a chil Hashem, 
will show how bad the person is, but rather be a Kiddush Hashem, will show, will show how good the person is. And if a person is in that level, okay. Unfortunately, most of us are not in that level. And we could reach levels of danger instead of elevation. Are you aware of the fact that in a nearby community, someone actually was killed in a motor vehicle accident because he was DWI on Purim? literally Sarkhanus Nefashis. You have to be so careful. Ad Yada means, in my view, you have no Yediyah Sichlis. The Maral explains that you lose the text away your Sichl, your intellectual understanding is somehow removed. That's what it means, Ad Yada. So what comes out? What we call the, the Pneumius. I want to give a Mushal. Perhaps you can understand it this way. Sometimes individuals who are getting older, especially if they are, are ill, become somewhat confused and then they're no longer exactly capable of understanding everything. Do you ever notice these situations? What comes out? What comes out is the innermost souls. So for someone who's lived his life, a life of Kedusha, what often comes out is a person's confused. You know what happens? He just keeps davening. You've seen this all the time. He davens and he's benching and, 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 and he's singing the gunim of his childhood from the shul. That comes out. But someone who is unfortunately, his inside is not so holy, what comes out is not so nice. You know, the, the Kohelet says about an older person, he's not able to really to watch himself. That's brought upon by Hashem when a person gets older sometimes. Drinking is a self-imposed state which is similar. And I would say only an individual who feels worthy of his innermost soul coming out and being exposed should follow perhaps the opinion of getting drunk in a more literal sense. Perhaps. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm suggesting it. But for the most of us, perhaps that's what the Mishnah is referring to, the majority of individuals who are not in such a high level, we're better off following the Ramah, drinking a little bit and losing our, our seichel, if you will, our, our active knowledge of what's going on by falling asleep. Too many of us are conscious of bad words. I'll use the word nivel peh. Uh, nivel peh, bad words. Even those of us that don't use these words as a general rule because it's not appropriate. But we, we know it. It's, it's all over. It's all in front of us. So Khalilah Vachas, a person, if he's drunk, and these kinds of words are somehow in his latent vocabulary, they can come out. It's a disaster. And if a child hears that, then it's all over. We have to be so careful on Purim and beyond. So careful not to make these terrible mistakes. Unfortunately, as, as, as we read in the, in the Beis Yosef, it can lead to Gileadites, literally, or partially. The Gemara has the case of Shvichas Damim. And yes, the Gemara compared it to Ovadavodazara, Bilial. So all the three Averis Achamurus are involved, one way or another, with intoxication. It's our responsibility, as the rabbi said, to protect our children. But let me tell you, and this is a general principle of of uh, protecting our children. The only way to protect our children is to protect ourselves. 
if we are going to involve ourselves in inappropriate drinking, but tell our kids don't do it, that's a waste of time. A waste of time. The only way that you can encourage your children to be appropriate in this, in this difficult area is by example. And therefore, I'd like to conclude by citing from the, the Ramah in discussing the question of exactly when does the mitzvah of drinking on Purim apply? Does it apply on, on Shushan Purim or Purim Katan? So the Ramah ends the very last, the very last words in the Shulchan Aruch Arachayim are based on the Pasuk Vitov Lev Mishte Tamid. Yes, an individual who perhaps has a little bit to drink, Yain is Samach Levaveno, should make the person happy, and if someone who's happy is, is able to, to do things which otherwise cannot be done, the Shechina can't be told Simcha, but, as the Mepharshim have pointed out, what are the first four words of the Ramah in Arachayim? Back in Simon Aleph, Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samit. It is only when a person maintains that identity of Shivisi Hashem the Negdi Summit, he's still able to view the Shekhinah as being right in front of him. He still understands that. Then, if he drinks a little bit, we could say, If he loses the Shivisi, he forgets that he's in the presence of the Rabbana Shalom, then that's not considered a Tov Leiv. That's considered a Belial, akin to Avodah Zorah, and all the other terrible things. It's our challenge to, for ourselves and for the next generation, because it goes together, to recognize and realize that our generation is a generation of Sota Bikulkula. And I believe we would all do well to be fulfilling the Yazir Atzmah Minayayin, not in the literal sense. I'm not recommended to become a Nazir. As I told you before, I'm very happy to fulfill the mitzvah of Kiddush and, and Purim and Arbakosas, which I do with wine. If the Sefer Achinuch writes that wine on Shabbos is it serves a very positive function. But, that's just a little cup of wine. That's in moderation. Beyond that, we would do very well to say, not in this generation. Whatever happened then was in a generation when people understood what an all was and what a responsibility was. When people understood that there, there, there are levels of decency that you cannot cross when people weren't so exposed to some of the indecencies of the general society which now penetrate into our, into our homes, into our communities. In our generation, I believe that we can reach greater heights in Avodah Hashem. Not by additional drinking, even though it can somehow heighten our, our senses. The downside, the, the danger to my mind is too great. Rather, let us have our drinking in, 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 in small doses in moderation and let us try through Torah, through mitzvahs, through chesed, to come closer to Hashem, and thereby to fulfill the Shnei Tamidim, the Vitov Lev Mishta Tamid, and the Shivisi Hashem, the Negdi Tamid. Thank you.